0: Learn more online at MediaMakingChange.org or in person at Citizen, our nonprofit coffee shop and program space at 3636A North Mississippi Avenue. I'm Molly Jean Bennett. November is National Adoption Month. This week we have a conversation with Melissa Smith-Hohenstein and Denise Kowalczyk of Kinship House.
1: the Nonprofit Happy Hour on X-Ray FM. I'm Phil Bussey. I am joining the studio today two women from Kinship House. Denise Kowalczyk is the Director of Development and Communication and Melissa Smith-Honstein is the Clinical Director. Yes. Welcome. Thank
2: you.
3: Thank you.
1: Let's start by talking numbers. Uh, well, Kinship House serves kids. How many kids are you serving?
3: Well, we work with about an average of 500 children per year. Um in the Tri County area there's roughly about 3,000 foster children and statewide it's about 11,000 and we work with about 500 of those children on average each year.
1: So you you jumped right into it so we're talking these are foster children. We're talking about right. but it's kinship house is not a placement house Correct. per se. Right. Melissa, do you want to talk a bit about what Kinship House, what, is, what service is it, what function is it serving?
2: Well, we are a nonprofit mental health agency. So we provide mental health services, the full array, um, from individual to family. Um, we also have two psychiatrists who work for us. And so there's psychiatric services available as well for our kids. But we, children do not live at Kinship House. And oftentimes they will come and ask, do we live here? Do you live here? Um, but we are in a house because we felt that that would be uh, a more homey environment for kids to do their therapy in rather than in a sort of institutionalized mental health office.
1: And and you guys are on the program, so I don't want to correct you, but it's actually two houses.
2: Yes, well, actually, we are <laughs> okay. Our main site is two houses. We also have a house, a small house, over off of one hundred eighty first first in Wasco that we also see children at. So that's another site that we serve. That's in a house.
1: I, can we uh, let's describe these houses a little bit more, if you could? So uh, let's talk about the the first, uh, the the original site. Um, are these Victorian houses what 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 would i see if i was walking up off the curb
2: well our original house is like old portland so old portland style house that you see many many of them over in north northeast portland style and you often see a little house right next to those houses so i don't know if the same construction people were involved in portland in the early 1920s and they built these two like houses right next to each other that were a very similar throughout the northeast Portland area. They're so
1: anticipating Airbnb by hundred years. Guess so. <laughs> I guess so, yes. And, and so it's it's a uh, it's a warm environment. It feels like you walk in, it feels like a home. Denise has her hand up. You can speak for I know, I know. <laughs> Denise, I'm
3: used very... to queuing, um, so I don't want to talk over anyone. But um, yes, we do have the two houses, and as um, Melissa mentioned, um, very intentional when someone walks through the front door. When a child walks through the front door, it is this warm, you're like, someone's house. There's a living room with these comfy, cozy couches. Um, nice colors. You go in the kitchen, they can grab a cheese stick, they can grab a juice box. Um, And the key is it's not a scary place. And I want to point out, you can take a virtual tour, so to speak, by visiting our website, kinshiphouse.org. And there's a video right on that front page that um, talks about what we do and also gives you a peek into the facility, into the homes or our space. And we always give tours, too.
1: And so kids and, and, and families are coming here. And, and where where are most of the kids in the process? Are they leaving one foster home and and uh, looking for a, being set up with another? Are they mm-hmm. with one and trying to adjust in? Where, where in the process are these kids?
2: Well, I'd say... The majority of our kids are in their, in a foster home. Um, some are in foster care, and the our therapist is working with their biological family on reunification, so return back to their birth family. Some of our kids have been in foster care for two-plus years, and in those situations, those kids are less likely often to return to their biological parent, and they may be more on a road towards adoption. So then we're preparing them for that inevitability, and then helping their adoptive families as they move into their homes.
1: And and um, again, I'm just I'm hoping just to get some of the contours of who you're working with. So what what ages are mm. we talking about?
2: Well, I think I think a vast majority of kids are somewhere between three and twelve, perhaps. But we also see children, youth that are older than that as well. So that twelve to eighteen year old space is also children that we see.
1: So, 11,000, you said in the state of Oregon, foster children every year. I ever think
2: that's the annual number.
1: Um, you, Kinship House is working with 500 of these children. Why are they in this situation?
2: Why do kids end up in foster care? One of the misconceptions that was sort of highlighted by a Casey found, uh, Foundation uh, report a few years ago is that people believe that children were in foster care because they, of their behavior, because they were naughty. Basically, most kids in care in Oregon go and in, come into care because of difficulties their parents are having with either drugs or alcohol or domestic violence or both. So kids come into care because their parents are unable to keep them safe and they're unable to stay in their homes with them. So that's why most of our children end up in care.
1: Now you you brought in a video. Um, mm-hmm. This is a, this is a radio show, but we brought in a video. <laughs> uh, it, and magic. it's, it's, it's <laughs> There, there's obviously there's a visual that goes with it, but it's it's it is really carried without the the pictures. This is some stories, number of children giving their insights into uh, how they how they approached or where they were at in the process when they arrived at Kinship House. Um, Melissa Smith Honestein is the clinical director for Kinship House. Denise Kowalczyk is the de- development and communication director. Let's take a we're going to take a watch, and our listeners can take a listen to this video
3: have been coming to Kinship House before we met them and Kinship House was actually in the process of matching them up with us and Kinship House helped our family go through that as a unit and helped us all build trust with each other
0: I used to be like not open because I used to hide my feelings inside I was shy at first but now I'm kind of open some people that have hard lives because they probably don't want to like let their feelings out and they just keep it in the whole time. So like when you're at kinship, it's really comfortable. Kinship
4: House has helped me by helping me move on so I have to stick with the past.
0: I wish that more
4: kids out there could come here and see what it's like, because this is a great place to be. I've been here for a while now and it's really helping me change.
0: When you you feel lost uh, and you don't know what to do, you can call or shoot an email and they're right on it with, with an answer and some advice on how to get through a sticky situation.
3: If I had any wish for Kinship
4: House, it would be for them to have all of the funds that they need and all of the staff that they need to help kids that are in foster care transitioning to adoption. It's just been a godsend for us to have the support of Kinship House.
0: I wish that they were would be able to get more resources to help spread their message and, and raise awareness for Kinship House because they're just they're so vital to what we do as adoptive parents
4: they wouldn't water Thank you, Kinship
1: House. This is the Nonprofit Happy Hour on X-Ray FM. That was a video, we were obviously just listening to the audio, of uh, several children who have uh, been associated, worked with Kinship House. We are talking with two of the women who... Uh, help manage the operations there I, I want to talk a little bit more about what what are you doing for these children so they're they're coming in and and there's been well, I, I, each kid has its own set of uh, unique set of issues or thoughts or mm-hmm. uh, hurdles to mm-hmm. overcome mm-hmm. what are you doing for them
2: <laughs> well I um, you know when kids, are in families where they're unable to get their basic emotional needs met, where they're experiencing traumas. They lose the capacity to trust adults, and they suffer from anxiety, depression. They suffer from anger, outbursts, and basically an inability to look towards an adult to help them if they need help. And that's the foundation of our uh, attachment is trust. That's what a baby learns from their interactions with their caregivers. And you just have to be good enough to be a good parent. And for these kids, they didn't receive good enough. So they enter into care oftentimes with many behavioral problems. They're not getting along with their peers. They're not getting along with their foster parents. They're not getting along with their siblings if they're placed together. Um, they're struggling in school. They're having behavioral problems at school. They're having learning problems at school. Um so, they need a place so that they could untangle what happened to them, a place to talk about what happened to them. And because they're little, uh, oftentimes, they don't come in and say, I'd like to talk to you about the hard times I had. And, you know, I've been having a hard time with my foster parents, and I want to chat with you about that. So, since children don't do that, they play. So, our treatment modality of choice is going to be play therapy. And through play, children will talk to us through their play about their concerns about their realities, and then we'll help try to untangle the traumas that happened to them. And if we're able to do that with their parent, for example, their biological parent, we're able to have their biological parent cued up to talk about, you know, I know scary things happened to you when you were with me, and I'm sorry for those scary things that happened. And now it's going to be different in this way and try to do some healing around their relationship. If we're unable to have a birth parent participate with us, then we'll do that with a foster parent. And then sometimes we'll also be doing that with the adoptive to parents. So uh, parents are stepping in to say, we're here to help keep you safe, and we're here, um, you can trust us, and we're going to keep you safe. And that's the foundation for behavior changes, is when kids get to a place where they feel safe.
1: I I think it has to especially be tough for, I mean, five, six, seven-year-old child who has had uh, a a tough life so far. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I think those of us that are adults and you, you hit a patch that's not great, you have a reference point to go back to. Right. Whereas for a child, mm-hmm. this is this is their full universe, mm-hmm. and right. they may not recognize that it's not a dark, scary place. Right.
2: They don't know because this is all they have known. So this is how adults act. And sometimes some of our kids have said things to foster parents like, I like it here because we sit down and eat food together. You know, the things that we just take for granted are very basic in our minds that kids had not had that experience in their other life. So, yeah.
1: And then on the, the, the flip side of the coin, so to speak, is is um, are you providing parenting classes? Are you mm. working with the parents mm. or is that is that another organization that does that and you come together?
2: Right. right. We don't do hands-on parenting classes. And there are organizations that do that sort of work. That's outside of what we're doing. But we do work with parents around, uh, especially trying to explain what trauma does to the developing brain, to whatever parent we have in the room, and to help them adjust their expectations and their inter- interventions at home to meet the needs of kids who've been traumatized. So you can't do parenting as usual with these kids. They just don't respond the same way.
1: And I, I want to shift gears a little bit. And, and um, Denise, you may be uh, better to talk about this. I. Within Portland, right now, obviously, real estate is a big topic of discussion. And you guys have two houses in a prime neighborhood, and and now you've 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 grabbed another one. Is is do you feel a pressure uh, on the organization in terms of? Uh, holding on to houses or keeping houses? I, I, does, does the real estate market play in at all to to the, the business plan?
3: Um, I don't think so at this point. I mean, to clarify, our facility on East County is a rental. We work with a, a the owner of that, so we don't own that property. But um, I think the bigger question is um, how we support more and more foster children who are coming into the system. Because It's getting worse than before. It's going to get better. Um, As far as the real estate, I, you know, I don't think as an organization we have felt the pinch of that. We feel very fortunate that we have that location because it's easily accessible by families. The parking sucks. I will say that. Okay. Um, And anyone who comes is like as soon as they walk in, man, the parking sucks, which is a problem. Um, But. other than that, they have public transportation in other ways. Um, a lot of children who come to us use medical transport, so that's you know a, a way they get there. But um, we want to make sure our our service, our care stays intact to meet the mission and the needs of the children. Our homes are old. Okay, mm-hmm. I will bring that up. They're <laughs> built in like what you say, nineteen twelve. Well, in the early twenties. Okay, nineteen twenty something. Yeah. So you know, things are falling apart, my friend. So okay. that is something as an organization that we need to look to, so how to keep the roof on the house. Uh-huh. But also we are looking at um, how to get out there more. So another... Um, place we're out in the world is at Bridge Meadows. Mm -hmm. So Bridge Meadows is a multi-generational intentional community that um, supports uh, families who adopt foster children. They have elders there. And um, forgive me if this is not the right term, but there's some wraparound services at the location, so to speak. And we are one of those resources. So we'll have a clinician um, at that site to provide the support to not only the children and the families in that community, but anyone in the community who might be a client of ours so that's out in beaverton at their new location so now we're expanding our footprint um so we are at that main location but we're in east Mm -hmm. county we're in west county and who knows where else we're Mm going to go
1: yeah yeah. i I want to talk about kinship house a little bit more in the the context of portland as well and i and i know kinship house is not here is not about placement Mm -hmm. except except for in terms of making sure that the placement Mm -hmm. goes well and goes smoothly is Portland an easier or hard place to place foster children? Mm-hmm. And I mean, I think in, in one way, I think mm-hmm. it'd be super easy because Portland's funky and families are have lots of different dynamics here and seem to be very accepting. In another way, mm-hmm. you know, it, 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 it seems like that, that unique personality mm-hmm. may make
2: it difficult. Right. I don't have statistics around those things, but my suspicion is that um, in very small rural communities, it's difficult. There just aren't enough people who are going to be available. So that's one of the things that the Portland metro area, sometimes we're getting kids that actually began their life journey in Wasco or some other county and then end up in Portland because there's no place for them. Um, But I would say across the board, there are not enough foster homes. There are not enough people who are fostering the number of children that are in care.
3: And I would... Tag on to that. You're absolutely right. The pool of foster families are shrinking. There's an organization, Embrace Oregon, one of many, who's trying to support foster families um, and to recruit more foster families Mm -hmm. to it because um, it is becoming... And it is a crisis Mm. because there aren't enough homes for foster children, especially those children who need extra special or extra support. And I'm sure, you know, your listeners um, and yourself may have heard that kids were being, you know, put in hotels. They were literally sleeping in DHS offices because Mm. there was nowhere to put, Mm -hmm. have these kids go. And that puts an extra strain on the system because the caseworkers are trying to mitigate and manage that. So while the other kids you know, may not be getting the Mm. support that they need. Right. Correct.
1: Yeah. So I I want to talk a little bit more about the larger picture. And uh, Denise, you had mentioned that the numbers are going up in Oregon. You brought in an Adele song. One of you brought in an Adele song. I did, yes. You did. (laughs) Melissa, you brought in an Adele song. And and there there was, uh, in the email that you sent us, something about switching out one of the words and and it it would...
2: well, I thought, you know, the song obviously is singing about a love relationship, you know, boyfriend, girlfriend or boyfriend, boyfriend, or girlfriend, girlfriend, whatever you you choose as your significant other. But I often hear it, and I hear how children enter into foster care and enter into foster homes and enter into adoptive homes as not you know, they're not ready. You know, like one person is ready, the parent. The parent's ready to have a relationship with that child, and the child's not ready. And they're just it seems like Adele is singing to that child and saying, Come on, just let me take care of you. Let me be your parent. And that's that's why I picked that song. That's why I loved it.
1: So with that different perspective, let's take a listen.
4: You've been on my mind. every feeling, every word, I've imagined it all.
1: That was Adele, and we were uh, listening to it not in terms of a partnership boyfriend, girlfriend, 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 boyfriend, boyfriend <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but but in terms yeah. of a parent and potential foster child um, before we went to the music break, uh Denise, you were talking that you 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 mentioned that numbers are going up in Oregon of foster children,
3: right. I don't mm-hmm. have the reports or the statistics, but anecdotally, yes, I mean,
1: why?
2: Well, I think Melissa probably could speak to that more clearly. Well, I, I think there are more kids in care because ch- families are struggling. Our economics, you know, maybe we're slightly better than we were in t- 2008, but I still think families are very much struggling economically. They're struggling with drug and alcohol abuse. They're, they're struggling in their homes. And that's why kids are more kids, I think, are entering into care. I know the state, from my experience with them, is trying to keep kids in their homes and trying to put services around them to keep them there. But uh, nonetheless, they are entering into care more often and with higher levels of emotional problems than they were 20 years ago. Um, So what we call acuity, their acuity rates are much higher. Um, and harder for harder for foster families to manage. Yeah. Is
1: that a surprise because it seems as if services, especially like Kinship House, are becoming more sophisticated mm-hmm. in in what they they offer? It would seem
2: like those
1: problems would be being tapped down a bit. I,
2: yeah. I What I would say from my point of view as a mental health therapist is that we know a lot about how to help kids who've been traumatized, but there are other systems that are also impacted by lack of funds. So mental health agencies are impacted by that. That ex Therapists' ability to maintain in their jobs, so we have a lot high turnover rate in the other mental health agencies, and that's going to affect you know how well the services are going to be provided to families. At Kinship House, we uh, we try very hard to sustain and maintain armed therapists as best we can, and our therapists tend to stay with us much longer than they do in other agencies. And they you need to have that continuity of therapy because we could be working with kids for two years, two or three years. So if a therapist is moving around every year and a half, then at an other kind of agency, then those kids are not getting the continuity of treatment that they deserve too. So I think that's just another piece of it that's impacting services.
3: And I'm curious your thoughts on this too, Melissa. Um, I mean, the whole discussion around mental health, mm-hmm. it isn't like people say, hey, let's go grab a beer and talk about my mental illness or my mm-hmm. mental struggle." or talking about that. Um, society doesn't talk about mental health very easily and readily. There's a lot of stigma attached to it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was just talking with um, someone recently. Said, you know, I've been trying to bring some folks in because when people come in to our home, um, it it changes them, and they're always moved, and some to tears. Just you know, to really get a visual understanding of what we're doing. Um, but there are some folks who won't come in. And I just scratched my head and someone pointed out, well, maybe it's just too hard for them mm. to come in and really, I mean, obviously not see a therapeutic session going on, but really be more physically in a space where these kids are really trying to deal with some of the most atrocious things that have happened in their life. Mm-hmm. So I think what we're trying to do is not only help these kids heal and help the foster families and other folks who are their champions. We're also trying to bring up the level of discussion about mental health. And, you know, it's a hard for folks to think of a child at three going through these atrocious things, right? I mean, I even hearing about people, I understand, you know, Don't they don't look, they don't want to listen, but we have to because it's not going away. We have to support these parents who are struggling with these addiction issues and mental health issues themselves in order to shrink the pool, right, <laughs> of foster children. Mm-hmm. But that's never going to go away,
2: unfortunately, but we still have to do the work and talk about it.
1: And how, how are the children finding out about Kinship
2: House? Well, most of our th- referrals are going to be coming through the state of Oregon, so c- child welfare workers are going to refer to us. We have foster families that we've worked with throughout the years who say we want to bring this particular new foster child to our home to kinship house because I already have a kid we'll go in there, so I would like to have all the children in my home going to the same place to get their treatment. Um, that's one way. so those I, I think the but the vast majority are coming from DHS from child welfare.
1: And How did each of you get into this into this line of work? <laughs>
2: Well, I was one of the original founders of Kinship House. So 21 plus years ago, a group of us were just sitting around um, talking about the fate of children um, that we were serving in mental health. We were all in a mental health treatment together center. And we saw the funding shifting and changing at that time. So we started thinking about who are the kids that are the most vulnerable who need the most. And we decided at that point that they were foster kids. And so that sort of started this conversation. It started the agency. It started where we're at today. And so that's why I'm here.
3: Well, I haven't been here that long. I've only <laughs> been here a little over a year. But um, my work in friend-raising and fundraising um, you know, brought me to the organization as uh, leadership was looking at ways to make us more financially sustainable and grow and expand um, and what have you. But personally, what really drew me to this um, job, this um, organization, is that way back when I, and I still hold that, I have an interest in caring for foster children, and I have this dream to be a foster parent, Um, and someday I hope to do that. But what I've learned, being at Kinship House, that there's other opportunities, so I'm going to pursue respite support. So, for example being a babysitter for a foster family, just to give them a little break. And then eventually having kids stay at my house overnight, what have you, as an incremental approach to possibly um, supporting foster kids. But so this was a personal thing, as well as a professional thing that really brought me down. Mm -hmm.
1: Denise Gavalchek is the development and communication director at Kinship House, and Melissa smith Honestein is the clinical director. Thank you both for coming in, and thank you for the work that you're doing with Kinship
3: House. Thank you. Thank you so much.
0: The Nonprofit Happy Hour is made possible by Beneficial State Bank, a certified B Corp that holds to what it calls a triple bottom line of social justice, environmental well being, and economic sustainability. If your organization or business is interested in underwriting our show, please email phil at MediaMakingChange.org. The Nonprofit Happy Hour is a production of the Media Institute for Social Change in KXRY Radio, X-Ray FM. Our host is Phil Bussey. Our executive producer and editor is Molly Jean Bennett. Emily Curtis is our associate producer. You can follow us on Facebook and Twitter, where our handle is Nonprofit Hour. Archives of past shows can be found on our SoundCloud page. Questions, comments, or ideas about the show can be sent to molly at mediamakingchange.org. Thanks for tuning in, and cheers!